Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to episode 169 of the Square Ball Podcast with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees when you mention the Square Ball. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan. With me, Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. And issue six of our fanzine came out for the Bristol match, the glorious Bristol match with a glorious cover featuring Calvin being served by Andrea Perlo with the cover by Matt Clark, who is Loomstride on Twitter. Look him up. And we're, I think we're going to get some prints going of that. There's been lots of uh, interest on that, the Yorkshire Perlo cover. It's great stuff. Guarantee that by getting a half-season subscription on our website. All the remaining issues, including issue six, delivered to your door. You can check out the mugs and the clothes and all that stuff that's on sale at the website, thesquareball.net. Oh, are we happy now? Are we finally happy again? Joy has returned to LS11. Michael, how are you feeling? The saddest man in in the whole of Ellen Road who hates our club, bets against them. Now the money must it's, be draining out of your account. It has cost me a bit this week, uh, financially, but my soul is repaired, I feel. As after. if you've got a soul. <laughs> it could have I mean it could have been it should have been really a perfect week. But Kiko had a bit of a a moment, didn't he? But we can overlook that because overall, things feel fine again. We've discovered Brentford aren't that good at all. Bristol are absolutely shit. So even if we're in the playoffs, probably beat them too. <laughs> why do this? <laughs> why even Why even go there? Crikey, you have been on the, pop, the fizzy pop this morning, haven't you? Me and Angus, we're not dicking around in the playoffs. I think even if we finish third, we just won't compete. So now we'll stay down, it's fine. There's a protest. Yeah. Third should go up. Yes. It's, a, it's the fair thing to do and this playoffs thing, not for us. We don't want to compete in a competition that is that is rigged. It won't be necessary though because if we can piss all over the likes of Brentford and Bristol City who are supposed to be good to the extent... I mean, I in the YEP thing today, it feels like perhaps a bit of a stretch but I compared the performance against Bristol to when we beat Aston Villa 4-1 in 91-92 for just complete attacking and I watched it back I was just astonished sort of watching the game again on the television screen we just kept taking the ball back off them and attacking them again and it was just you don't see other teams doing this like that the the goal when we had about five chances to score when we put it in most teams make five chances like that in a game and we do it in 30 seconds and it was just even if ailing shot had been deflected out again it felt like we were just going to stay there we'll just keep the ball here until the you all fall down and score and other teams just don't play like that and um, we do and it's amazing only Leeds do even West Brom West Brom are obviously a very very good team but they don't play like this and they don't bombard teams this way the only regret is that it doesn't come off with that 4-0 or 4-1 scoreline it should have been 10-0 against Bristol and then Lee Johnson could shut up about his fucking penalty I mean we had we've pulled the stats here 17 chances from open play 20 in total admittedly a flurry of them came in that same sequence I dare say for the goal but even still that is a chance from open play every 5 minutes or thereabouts throughout the game which is insane it's just not, it's not normal football. I think there was almost an appreciation in this game that's been missing for a while, maybe since, because it was like watching the Arsenal performance again. We've been in that thing of saying, well, it's no good being good at football because we're not getting the, the results. Whereas this one, because there was such a big gap in the performances that even though it was only 1-0, even though Kiko Kassia gave them a chance to try and equalise if they could, even though Naki Wells had that shot, it never got to that point of thinking they're going to equalise because because we just kept taking the ball off them and attacking them constantly and when you're doing that 
can't cope. I feel like in some games this season we've done everything up to the the final ball and we we maybe had lots of the ball and not creating much. But in this, we hit the bar twice. There was the the Bamford one where it looked easier to score than miss, and then there was the Costa one where it looked like he had scored more or less. He got he took it around the goalkeeper, and then somehow the goalkeeper was quicker. Is, on all fours is it, Costa is it, was on we, two legs are we crediting the keeper there or is it Costa's fault for not scoring I think it was very good goalkeeping I would say he didn't because he went down but he kind of half stayed on his feet so he was able to recover because if you think about Costa's touch to take it past him was one hell of a touch and it should have just been a tap in from that point because everyone said why did he take the extra touch but he had to he knocks it past him with the first one and then the second one would have been to put it in the net yeah I kind of feel a little bit like that about the, the Bamford one as well I'm not normally this generous to Bamford but I think Bentley is a decent keeper and he's done very well for both. That Bamford one didn't come to him with much momentum on the ball. It took a little deflection on the way back through, didn't it? And you know, if we're talking about baby steps, on target. So <laughs> that's good. And then the two that hit the bar, I know Jackie's had some criticism from missing that one as well, but you know, if you're hitting the bar, it's not technique then, it really is. It's luck. You and kind it's of inches of the bar. away. Yeah. And yeah, it is like you say, it is one inch of difference. Yeah. And he did exactly what you'd want him to do of absolutely spank it at the top of the goal. So it's not like he, he did the wrong thing, took the wrong decision or anything like that. Same with the Stuart Dallas one, did very well to to get the shot away, hit the bar. So how many is that? So that we've got the one we scored, then we've got Dallas, Harrison. So it should have been five. I mean, the Dallas one that hit the, the bar as well, what led to that was Costa cutting in from the right, which created a very good chance as well. So I think he had the shot that was saved. It was a really good save actually from the keeper. Yeah. Then it came back to Dallas. Then it was after that Bamford put in the rebound, who wasn't as offside as I thought he'd be. No, but he was always gone. But he was offside. But then, you know, it's, it's fair. I watched the, the replay of the goal, actually. It was quite surprising. Luke Hayling's movement to stay onside is actually quite good. He's looking yeah. along the line. There was some Ben Parker. So I, I watched it back on the LUTV thing. Ben Parker was crediting Click with a clever pass to Ayling. It was a shot, wasn't it? <laughs> That's what I thought. And I'm, I'm fairly sure it was a shot that took a deflection. <laughs> he said, oh, he's done very well there to stay calm and, uh, and pick Hailing out. And then, But you can even Disguised see... Disguised it as a shot. <laughs> you can see on the uh, the celebrations, I think Click goes up to him and they say something and they're having a laugh. And I think it's just like, I just... I think it might have been Click saying, yes, very good pass by me there, but for some reason, Ben Parker's completely like great vision. It's absolutely fine the other way of just smacking it at their ball, at their goal, until all their players are on the floor. And then it goes in. If that's what we have to do to score, then that's absolutely fine. But mm. yeah, five nil would not have flattered us whatsoever because you are talking two that hit the bar, two that were well, let's say brilliant goalkeeping, but should have been scored. And that doesn't even get onto the the half chances, the ones when Costa could have shot and pulled back when the pullbacks weren't quite happening, the ones where Pablo Hernandez is trying to dribble through five defenders at once, and then the Augustine chance as well was fairly decent it was yeah. a nice first touch from him and just just put it wide and close it wasn't a bad effort at all either so let's make that 6-0 it is a shame and that's kind of the thrust of me YP thing today is that it's a shame that we're not getting these results because I would love us to have those to look back on because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you're right if you, if you strip out the, the tension around promotion you'd probably be enjoying this a lot more and if you added five goals to every yeah. scoreline which we could it could be it could have been remembered like the Aston Villa 4-1, like the Sheffield Wednesday 6-1, as one of those games where Leeds United went out and just absolutely destroyed somebody. But the uh, the width of a crossbar and the flummoxing of a of a, an open goal means that it'll just be, it'll just kind of, it'll just fade into the background. It'll be just by that time we beat Bristol on the, the way to promotion and not the playoffs. Yes, and to be fair, we mullered Brentford. We, whilst we didn't have loads of clear-cut chances, we absolutely controlled that game from pretty much start to finish. I think the thing with the Brentford game is not so much their chance, our chances, but their lack of chances because they scored a goal that wasn't a chance and then they had one shot from the edge of the box. That's literally it. I think which, for the, which for the team with such a... Everyone, all we heard about was how they've got this great attacking front three and their movement would be really hard and they've scored all these goals this year. Like they, they looked so ordinary against us. I was going to say... Um... 324 chances they've created that of Brentford this season, second only to us, actually. So you, we did really well to just completely shut them down, which we did. Their midfield was a, a joke. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Phillips and uh, and Click are brilliant, but the, the moment or were brilliant in these games, the bit when they, uh, it was in the second half, one of their players turned in from the wing, passed it to the centre circle, and the only player there was Click who just kind of controlled it and then turned around to face their goal. And it was almost... I don't know what it must be like being Matt Click in that situation, but I was thinking, 
are you deliberately not tackling it? Like, you know, when it's a surprise party and you, you go into your house and the lights are off. Well, normally the kitchen light would be on and there's a weird atmosphere. It was like that. I was like, why is nobody coming into the centre circle to, to tackle me? And where where are all their midfielders anyway? They respected and that was Calvin's area. They did. And it was like, we could just do anything we wanted. And Calvin Phillips returning uh, in both these games, I mean, how do you define what is his area? Against Bristol, I think he showed what uh, Ben White struggles with. Ben White is a very, very good central defender, but what Calvin Phillips is, is a very, very good central defender and central midfielder, and he does both. So depending on what Bristol are doing and what Leeds are doing, he'll either be in midfield stopping the attacks, or there was one moment when he, he, he ran from between or behind Liam Cooper to intercept one of their forward passes. And I was saying, how did he end up there when a moment ago he was here? But just constant movement and constant... I think he was... His reading of the game's good, isn't it? I think he was reading Bristol's attacks better than Bristol were. If it had been on their team, they probably would have won 5-0 themselves because they would have had him linking all their play, getting on all the... reading all the passes that they didn't have a clue what to do with. Instead, he's just like, all right, I think you're going to pass down there and then it's going to come over here so I'm just going to stop you from doing that. He was awesome and uh, Lee Johnson we can't let this one pass without mentioning Lee Johnson he was fairly magnanimous when you cut through the hanging a lot on the penalty incident and how that might have changed mm. the entire world and universe. Yes, so, if they'd only got that penalty they would have won Yeah, because the crowd would have changed blah blah no we just would have I wonder if getting that penalty might have been the thing that would have triggered us into actually scoring some of those chances this is like, all right, back to 1-1. Right, we will actually score those five goals. Uh, for the benefit of anybody who hasn't heard Lee Johnson's comments, shall we hear them? Disappointing. I wanted to win the football match. I haven't got any excuses. I thought they were the better side. Circumstances did go against us on a couple of occasions and it's 100% a penalty. Our faithful will watch that back and they'll be upset as I was with the officiating. At that point in the game, it could have provided anxiety in the stadium to allow us to go on and even win it. So big moments in games are important. I'm not saying they weren't the better side because they were today. In the first 20 to 25 minutes, we were like rabbits in the headlights due to A, their quality, and B, our lack of nous in the moment. It happens sometimes. You have to see through those periods, and we did. I was strong with my message at halftime. I wanted to see us. I wanted to see the best version of the individuals, and six or seven of the players showed some guts in the second half to open the game up and play more than we did in the first half. And then he goes on to talk about self-coaching and the best bit that you loved, Moscow. Yeah, that we've we've cut short of, uh, um, because that was beginning to sound like somebody was drilling into my skull of him describing the the players they needed to show their USPs which I've, I've put a little time in he has uh, he's used that before about them showing their unique selling points it's uh, oh they they signed somebody I bet he went to a seminar about this you know well I can't remember it's um, which player they'd bought some no mark obviously he said physically physically he's increased about 16 to 18 percent since he came in which is very specific we had the discussion with the judo coach and he's been using his body better tactically he's improved dramatically he's always had that usp with Lee the Johnson, amazing the delivery who could, who could do with in increasing his physicality by a certain percentage <laughs> oh in fact it's nicholas Eliasson. he says when he's 27 he's going to be amazing he's the guy who was flagged up by bristol's uh writer before the game as amazing who was subbed off because he'd barely touched the fucking ball um, but no his USP apparently is an amazing delivery and uh, maybe it was him again because Lee Johnson was complaining that not enough of his players showed their USPs when finding this I did uh, track down some fairly bemused commentary on Bristol City forums where they're basically saying why is Lee Johnson banging on about USPs <laughs> we are not a startup. <laughs> this, this is not a photocopier company Anyway, some blue sky thinking and all that. He was, I mean, watching him actually literally hopping mad was one of the highlights of the game. Jumping in the air, running about, throwing his arms in the air. over And not over the penalty, this was a throw-in, went the wrong way. Well, this is it's not that he's little, it's that he's so animated, isn't it? And he can jump to a height of about four feet. It's like, (laughs) uh, for him, it's like a pole vaulter. I do love that photo of him being interviewed by the BBC's Dan Walker, who is a tall man. And there is a good couple of feet there, isn't there? I mean, really is a couple of feet. There is a good genre of photos of Lee Johnson being interviewed by people of average height. And it's um, maybe somebody should start a website. And the universe was kind to us as well over the weekend with a near-perfect set of results also. So um, 
it all lined up nicely for us. Do we believe the fates are swinging back in our favour again, Michael? Yeah, say it, say yeah, it. I suppose, I suppose. I mean, I did also, we'll, we'll come on to this later, I was also looking ahead to see how good and how bad things could be after this weekend and the bad still terrifies me but I think everyone's it doesn't feel like that though does it now everyone's kind of over it a bit aren't they the whole thing of of feeling like we had lost a lot of what had made us so good early in the season like because we did have a run of games where we didn't create that many chances like the forest game and the QPR game there were some worrying signs in there that maybe the ideas had dried up a little bit and we weren't cutting through teams but then we've gone to Brentford away which on paper was one of our toughest games left and we should have won that and then Bristol again one of our toughest games left because they are somehow in the playoffs and we just dicked them we made them look stupid <laughs> we did we made it looked like men against boys on the pitch and the touchline it was kind of that was my where my confidence came from after the Nottingham Forest game and I, I said it in the match ball that, that if that's as bad as we get then that's fine and we've done it from the right place as well to be that bad in second is a is a good thing the frustration in Luke Ayling's comments at the end of that game that basically we'd built up that lead and we basically played 31 games just to be level with points with the team behind us it does make it feel like those first 31 games were a complete waste of time because we may as well not have bothered what was the point in being so far ahead when we could just have stayed the same but it was the first and only match this season the Forest one where I thought we were really seriously under par and Marcelo Bielsa thought it was better than Brentford but Bielsa's going to Bielsa that, that's why they called him Old Loco it just needed us to get back to where we were and seeing Calvin Phillips happy smiling face at the end of the uh, the Brentford game listening to the way that we're talking about Kiko Casillas saying that you know we've we've talked about it in the changing room we've not lost confidence we kept passing through him all the game seeing Luke Ayling at the end of the the Bristol game seeing him celebrating the goal you can just tell there's, there's been that kind of that thing of let's well, you, you, just sort this you, out and counter, counterpoint that haunted look at the end of the Forest game with that interview with LUTV yeah. onto the Bristol game and he's beaming and he's overjoyed I'll tell you what's turned it around for Luke Ayling listening to this podcast you think did you see his comments after the game not specifically about us about the about the goal just see if you recognise this advice I just smashed it with my left foot as hard as I could Sometimes it's about doing the simple things, isn't it? That's what that's he's listened. He just needs to get Pat to listen, and, it's, and he'll be he'll be another twenty this season. Simple coaching advice from simple folk. That's <laughs> that's what it is. Overcomplicating it, Bielsa. Well, we are coming round for well, we're at just over seventy-two percent or thereabouts of the season done, and let's call it you know to all intents and purposes after Saturday, three quarters of the way there, thirteen games to go. We need nine wins or thereabouts to see us up. Ten will definitely do it. It's so doable. And returns to what I was saying earlier in the season about it will still take a spectacularly bad run of form, which it felt like we were heading towards at one point. But I always felt, and this is why I ended up getting back on your Zen boss, Moscow, that that the turnaround would happen. And a game like Brentford was exactly the sort of game when it would turn around. We have had a spectacularly bad run of form. That's the thing. Results. Hopefully that's it. Well, run of results. Yeah, to an extent form. We have play, also played our worst football in this period. But even that's better than anybody else's. I mean, I've, I've not seen enough of the Fulham-Barnsley match to pass, like, absolute comments on it. But 3-0 is hilarious. I mean, they and, were laughable, apparently. Well, yeah, just looking at chances created, Fulham created 11, but no big chances. Barnsley created 10 and three big chances, which I presume are the, the goals. But if Barnsley are creating 10 chances against you, you're not a team that that's going to be troubling the top two and that's kind of what and they have the much harder set of games than anybody else they've got to play all the teams in the top six if they can't even cope with teams who are in the bottom three then it bodes well for us and it's we can still lose some games do quite badly as we have been doing over the last few weeks and still go up there's so much of it is in our hands we don't have to be brilliant and dominating and winning every single match the leeway is is there because I have I've not got the faith that we're going to go through the rest of the season winning every single game I don't think it's going to be 100% but I have got the faith that we will win more games than Fulham or Brentford or Nottingham Forest will between now and the, the rest of the season just because I trust us more than I would trust them and if you, I was there. And you look at the quality of our play and what you've just said there Moscow and in those 13 games win nine of them draw two of them lose two of them you're going to go up. So we can still afford to lose a couple of games as long as we don't lose too many, which was always the case, really. And is that based on if the teams behind us win absolutely everything? Well, it's just based on our points total. That would take us to about 89 points, I think, based on my maths. Yeah. Right. 
something like that. So we'd be damn close to it. We'd be going, we'd be getting a total similar to what Sheffield United got last year. The points per games that the teams below us have to get is ridiculous to overtake us, whereas the points per games we need to get is just that little bit more manageable. Yeah, I mean, we've everyone will point to Wigan last year though and go, well, we'll look at that last year and look at Wigan this year. And You'd yeah, still rather play yeah. Wigan again though, wouldn't you? If someone said to, to us this weekend, you can either be playing West Brom at home or... Reading at home, yeah. You say, "All right, yes, well, I'm Reading because they're obviously a worse team because the league table says so." You've got to have faith that over time, the better teams are at the top and the worst teams are at the bottom. That's generally how the league system works. So you know, let's just play the ones down the bottom, please, which we are doing. Yeah, and a lot of them are really, really bad. And there is that argument that says um, they do tend to come and shut up shop. But it feels like it feels like we've got our swagger back. It feels like we've got that little bit of uh, leady cockiness about us again. Yeah, we've barely seen big Kev yet. So there's still that player there ready to start scoring goals and you hope if he does stick one away, you know, he's been brought in to, to make a difference. I think the fact he's only had a handful of sub-appearances and no goals so far doesn't change the fact that he's still the player that we were excited about and I still expect him to do something um, between now and the end of the season. So we've got those little things in our locker where we've got that one. I enjoyed we've Jamie Shackleton's thing. little cameo as well on on. Saturday. It was nice to see him again. Yeah. And he came on and looked very busy. Was very quite mature as well. Didn't like ran the clock down quite nicely at points. So there was a one I think where he was breaking and I was thinking, don't try and pass this in anywhere. Just get it some get it into the corner. I'll give it to someone who will take it to the corner. And he did. And I thought good maturity. Yeah, mm. and that's, that's one thing we can do is keep possession of a football. We know how to do that and run the clock down if we need to. And there's a lot little bit more savvy in that respect. Yeah, we were very good at that at the end of the game against uh, Bristol. And even having Tyler Roberts back on the bench helped pleased don't get injured again. That would be the thing. For sure is a big loss, but um, Shackleton and, and Roberts are, they're not like two new signings, but it's better than having actual children on the bench. Jamie Shackleton, we've seen look very good in the first team. Tyler Roberts, we've seen look very good in the first team. Roberts, you'd think if he if he stays fit, could be, I don't know, I think there's a lot of talent there. He could be anything he wants to be if he can only get over um, the constant injury. So we've got we've got stuff, haven't we? We've got some stuff. Look out for the Phil Hay Show this week. In stark contrast to this show, we tend to behave a little bit more like grown-ups on that one. This week, we're getting Phil's take on Bristol City and Reading and tackling your questions in a Q&A. Search for the Phil Hay Show in your podcast app. And The Athletic is also home to Phil's writing. It's ad-free, so you don't get any pop-ups, no clickbait. And check out this week as well, a big piece on Roque Jr. that I'm looking forward to reading. Um, the utter madness that that was Roque Jr. Because that's all it was. It was... It was bizarre and baffling and upsetting at times <laughs> particularly if you were a Man United fan that is true the, the one or two rather high points of his entire stay at Leeds yeah a weird ripped shirted stay that one wasn't it all the writing all the podcasts all the video there it's included in your subscription totally ad free there's quality Premier League coverage on there if you want to see what they're up to obviously we'll be there next year joining them um, plus you've got sport from around the world and you can get a free trial and 50% off your subscription by going to theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Let me say two words to you now. Leeds legend. Let me say another two words to you. Michael Brown. Do they fit together in the same sentence? Still looking forward to his excuses for not playing in the uh, the Bayern Munich match, which will be the best thing he ever does in the Leeds shirt if he doesn't do it. Well, as we know from our own research into uh, Warnock and, and Brown's time at Leeds. He played from his sick bed. He was vomiting and out both ends, I think, uh, for the Chelsea League Cup game that time, demanded to play. Well, it's my last chance, Gaffer. Please, can you play me? And he did, didn't he? Despite him being a wreck. He was a wreck the whole time he was at Leeds, let's be honest. He was never he was never fit to, to wear our shirts. Maybe that first season you could just about allow him, but from then on. And he's not doing anything now that's doing any good for us either, is he? It sort of morphed into this almost Danny Mills-esque figure now, giving quotes out to, to various websites based on very little or no information. The one in particular, and the reason why we bring this up is because he was talking about Calvin Phillips and this reported release clause in his contract that would see some team from across... Salford, I think they're called. I can't remember. Um, FC Salford or something. What are they? It's near, it's near that big shopping centre. Yeah. Near, near the Trafford centre, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, asked by Football Insider if he thinks the reported £20 million release clause for Calvin Phillips would be activated in the summer. And he said the release clause is more than that, much more. The fee that they might have to pay will still be a little bit borderline for clubs to take. But I think he's developing well enough that someone could think, do you know what, I think he could be the real deal. 
Um, you look at some clubs, they're paying 20 million at the top of the pitch for players coming out of the championship. But for a midfield player, it's a really big call to go over that figure. So there's Michael Brown talking about Calvin Phillips potentially signing for Stratford Rangers because that's what everybody wanted to know, isn't it? And it was based on nothing more than a, a passing quote and I dare say a hunch. But just shut up. Is that what we're saying, Shout. Well, that's what, um, I mean, it, it's sparked a war of words with another Leeds United legend who, uh, he did make it onto the centenary um, uh, squad photo, which was um, quite surprising. I, I mean, we've got a lot of affection for Kevin Sharp here, but it, it's a, we've entered this weird alternate reality now where um, the star of the, well, one of the stars of the Youth Cup final that we were talking about on the extra ball uh, last week is striking back on Twitter against Michael Brown's opinion, saying that because uh, Kevin Sharp is Calvin's agent and he says uh, it's not true. And certainly no one knows any detailed clauses within any of my players' contracts. It's, it's quite difficult to react to the idea of uh, Kevin Sharp, the, the weird Canadian blonde curtained great hope for the left back post Tony DiRigo in the mid 90s now appears to be some kind of mafia boss with lots of people on contracts that he uh, is threatening Michael Brown with I don't know if he's going to get in touch with any uh, a go between with Raul Bravo to really sort this out but it's just weird it's just it's a strange old old world I was just looking through Twitter before and saw um, a similar headline where it said, Danny Mills gives his verdict on Ilian Meslier. I'm like, what the fuck are you asking Danny Mills anything about a reserve goalkeeper from the French second division? Let me guess, and, let me guess, he's he's watched the Arsenal game. Yeah, that will completely be the extent of it, yes. But it, it, the one thing that is interesting... Shut up, Danny. ...about this, apart from just the, the whole bizarre 2020-ness of... I mean, I had a poster of Kevin Sharp on my wall and now he's, this is happening. Is the, the news that apparently there is not a buyout clause for Calvin Phillips? Because it did seem like that was, it was reported at the time when his new contract came up that there seemed to be some kind of non-promotion clause where bids can come in. But I suppose Kevin does cover it off by saying nobody knows any detailed clauses within any of my players' contracts. So there could be something in there. We, that we should says, say just because we liked his hair in 1990. Three, four. It doesn't mean he's not lying because he's an agent. They have been known to tell the odd fib. Did you like Ian Hart's hair at any point? No, not even with that spider. Nah, it was thing. disgusting. Look <laughs> like it smell. <laughs> there used to be. Um, I think it was Match Magazine because things weren't very sophisticated at the end of the nineties. They had a feature where they'd basically mirror footballers' faces, so they'd just do one half, but they'd put the two shots of the right half together to form a new face. And I remember vividly Why? them... The early Photoshop years when it was a novelty, probably. Why yeah. did they do it? I mean... <laughs> and look, what, look what Photoshop 1 can do. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, we, did, we didn't have the internets available at the time. So there wasn't a lot of... Uh, we had to get our entertainment where we could. And that, yeah, that, that did something to his uh, his hair that was... Um, that I can still picture it now, 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> Haunted by the hair. Yeah. Although I'm kind of wanting to see Alioski with that same effect I mean it's a good I mean it's, it's I've got Photoshop at home I'll just I'll have a go it's not a million miles away from the effects you do on Snapchat and stuff or face swapping I, and I remember not so long ago I used that to face swap Rodden Ray Wallace <laughs> <laughs> which turned out to be futile because they are I mean I confirmed they're twins if there was any doubts because they just looked exactly the same so you know it was the 1990s equivalent of using like a a cat filter on Alioski or something or or when um, I can't remember who it was on Twitter went through our entire squad and used the, the Snapchat filter to show what they would look like if they were ladies and that was quite exciting because they all look I think Pat Bamford in particular was Jack Harrison was my favourite yeah some of them were yeah he she looked bloody lovely mm. yeah he's good looking he's good looking lad though isn't he Jack in fairness I can, I can see it, it translate well who sorry Jack Harrison just saying he's a <laughs> Jackie Jackie Harrison. Actually, Jackie, unisex name, isn't it, as well? But I don't think we should sell Calvin Phillips to Manchester United. And we're probably the, uh, not going to, The point of no. all that conversation, I think we've got a little bit way and Why the fuck would he go there? Go to a, If you're going to leave, he'd go to a good team. Hey, speaking of our midfielders, we've done some research into Forshaw's uh, skiing trip to, um, <laughs> to Colorado, and I mentioned that because some wag on Twitter said it was a disgrace that he had time to go skiing and wasn't fully committed to the club. And I do think that maybe one or two people took it seriously, but it was a very funny comment. Yes, um, they're not uh, they're crutches, aren't they, that he's using there, not whatever the sticks are that you ski with. 
Uh, we've been looking at his doctor. He went to, um, have you seen where he went to? I mean, not to cast doubt upon him, but uh, the surgery's already done, I think, isn't it? But he did appear to go to McMaster University, which is a bit concerning if we've just been talking about Kevin Sharp. He, if he's if he's doing the contracts and McMaster's teaching people the surgery, I, I have doubts. And I mean, I'm glad for Farshaw's mental health as much as anything. We've just said, yeah, let's just get this fixed. Because it must have been pretty grim for him doing his, like, the same rehab every week and be like, no, it's still not right. No, he he cannot be 100% fit. He cannot repair or whatever, the, whatever Flores was translating it as. So, and he's had a holiday out of it too, so <laughs> best of luck to him. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I've never been to Colorado. I've not either. It looks yes. lovely. It's off in the picture. It looks nice and bright, isn't it, on the picture and picturesque. You've got to turn every, uh, every negative into a positive, haven't you? Yeah, it's it's not been easy because I think he, uh, did he mention himself about the thing about picking up money or was it somebody else? There's this perception that you think players are going to be fine because they still get paid anyway and they get paid an absolute fortune to just sit on their ass. But I think the um, what you're talking about in terms of pain in your, your hips and stuff, all right, lots of people have pain in their hips and don't have the comfort of uh, several thousand pounds a week into their bank account. But it is kind of a an equaliser that uh, things that hurt just hurt, don't they? And there's, there's not a lot of... Uh, not a lot you can do once you're in that much pain. And there's that thing about being, running around. Well, there's, yeah, there's that thing about being excluded from the group of players who are training and not feeling part of that social circle as well. If you're uh, if you're off and you just can't move your bloody hips like me now, and God rest her soul. The cogs of financial fair play and profit and sustainability are turning. We've seen the Man City have been walloped with the Champions League ban. Do we think that's funny? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it's quite funny. There's a slight risk that they might now want to keep Jackie Harrison in the summer because let's face it they're going to have to adjust their expectations from Champions League standard players to just sort of Premier League Premier League mid-table they're not even grateful though are they they don't fill the Etihad for the Champions League games so they wouldn't appreciate Jackie well just wait when we will be back in the Champions League before they will they have uh, thinking about it it's a bit of a, a dive from a couple of weeks ago when they were supposed to be lining up a move for Lionel Messi I guess that's going to be out of the question now because uh no Champions League does tend to equal no Messi. I mean, while it, is, while it is quite funny, the whole thing is a bit... I mean, what they've actually been sanctioned for isn't failing financial fair play, is it? It's for lying about it to try and pass it. Is what they, So they, I think the punishment is probably harsher than it would have been if they just said, yes, we hold our hands up, we've... Aggravated, isn't it? Spent too much. Yeah, in the same way as Sheffield Wednesday and Derby will probably be charged with the same thing, because it's not... They're not admitting they're they going to be it. banned from the Champions League as well, <laughs> as such. But they've gone. They've tried to try to avoid it. The whole thing is slightly questionable because whether or not you've have got money from a sponsorship or a tractor partnership, or because you have a Taiwanese soft drink tie up, none of it's really football, is it? So it feels it feels in many ways more old school to just have an owner able to go. I want this club to be good. Have a billion pounds. It sort of feels like that should almost be allowed. We did see some commentators saying after this that all Man City's achievements during this period should become with an asterisk next to them saying it's not a real that's not a real win. And I think we should say the same about if this is Derby do get charged, that we rescind their playoff semi-final uh, Well and Aston Villa are sailing close to well, I think if they come down they're they're in trouble, aren't they? Knackered basically, aren't they? So it is funny watching them struggle as well, thinking what's at stake. And you do have to retrospectively give a little nod to um to what Leeds have been doing to keep us out of this kind of nonsense. It's been really frustrating bumping up against financial fair play and seeing it feeling like other teams are just doing what the fuck they want and we're the only ones who aren't going and um, arranging some shonky sponsorship or doing some ground move and everybody always says, well, accountants can find a way, a way around everything, can't they? Look at Man City. Well, Man City, even if it gets down to like a one-season ban from the Champions League, that's that's not a light punishment because that's like the entire it's 100 million quid they reckon and it's the entire reason for being of these clubs now like Manchester City we haven't got a European Super League yet and we might not have with um, with a, a post-Brexit world that we're, we're entering but they don't exist to play Watford on a Sunday afternoon they're all about Champions League football it's all about the games with Barcelona and Juventus and, and Paris Saint-Germain so being kicked out of that even if it's just for a year is a heavy, heavy punishment. And it changes the the conversation from it being something that you can easily get around and you can pay for the best lawyers and you'll be absolutely fine. So Leeds should go and just go for broke, 
by whoever and and stop worrying about it. If, as I hope they will, Derby and Sheffield Wednesday end up in League One as a result of what they've been doing, then it's even more uh, evidence that we're probably frustrating as it as it has been been doing the right thing. Yeah. While mm. it's worth noting as well, I think Leeds have been one of the clubs saying that we really need to review whether these rules are even proper. So it would be entertaining as well to have Man City banned, Derby and Sheffield Wednesday relegated, and then they change the rules so that um, everything's fine from now on and say that, <laughs> oh, actually, you know, we, we, we think those rules were wrong. You know, you've touched upon something there. And as you say, it has been frustrating when, again, Radrizani's quoted saying, oh, we're going to look at what Wolves have done and we're going to try and emulate that. And actually, we've been somewhat scuppered by that and haven't emulated it. And we've done it in a tighter way, but then... To have retained our soul, it feels like if we do make it this season, there'll be a certain purity to it, particularly because it's tagged onto Bielsa as well, in that these teams have been trying to bullshit their way around the rules and haven't succeeded, and yet we've stuck to the rules and done it the right way. Uh, I want to ask, though, with Sheffield Wednesday, they are one of the clubs who reportedly voted against our 15-point sanction back in 2007. So there will be an argument to say, you shouldn't want us to get punished and hammered for this. Do you agree? Nah, not really. Yeah, you... they've got they've got Gary Monk as manager, yeah. and they are they have fictional taxi companies and soft drink companies pumping money into the club. Fuck them. <laughs> and much in the same way as on reflection, fuck Bates and what he did. Mm. He deserved his fifteen points for yeah. it. The fans didn't. We didn't deserve fifteen points, but Bates fully deserved the fifteen points because of what he'd done. Because of the mysterious creditors that would only accept him as as the new chairman. So get what you deserve. And he was given the option. Wasn't he the the FA and Football League were waiting for him to come back and and appeal it and have it reduced and he just never bothered. Instead, he had a massive tantrum about it. So it was like sued, yeah. All right, fine, and yeah, suing lost because he 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 agreed to it. That was the um, the end result of him suing, saying that they should never have uh, imposed this fifteen point penalty. All the evidence was well, you, you signed were, it, you agreed <laughs> to it in the first place. You said it was absolutely fine. You accepted that as your punishment. So it's your fault. Whereas, uh, yeah, I think purely just to see Gary Monk relegated, I think it's um, it's worth it for that. He'll slither out before that happens, just before the the, math, the mathematically downhill. Or he'll, he'll get fired, and they'll bring in like an old fan favourite who will, you know, like Eddie Gray did, sort of manfully try and keep him up. But the, the t- it's too far gone then by that point. And Carlton been, Palmer's uh, got the experience, hasn't he? <laughs> oh, that would be. There has been some talk of Gary Megson, but Carlton Palmer would be even better. Speaking of the authorities. Um, FA have been uh, charging our uh, staff, Orta, Mooney as well, who's in charge of the media side of things. It was interesting to see in the programme, Sassy Angus has returned, stating that they chose not to contest the charges that they were charged with. This relates to the the, the game against um, Millwall when um, Orta was in the tunnel with Mooney as well, trying to collar the referee. And uh, Angus has said that they didn't contest the charge, but there was no inappropriate language aggression and so on and so forth. Doesn't quite tally up with what the FA have said in their reports. We didn't contest the charge because they both did it. (laughs) Well, I think what Kinnear's point is that worse things happen in tunnels. And that, yes, it was two separate incidents. So Victor Orta at the start of half-time, James Mooney at the end of half-time was trying to show Darren England footage of the ball going out of play before the penalty. And you're not allowed to, um, to show referees. They're not supposed to look at any television footage. And he was aggressive in his manner. So we politely reminded him we cannot see any footage and left him to enter the, the field of play. Victor Orta's charge was at the, the start of half time. His words were, and this is, there was there was an original version of his words in the referee's post-match report. Then they've revised it for the submission and Victor Orta has given his interpretation and basically said, yeah, this is pretty much what I said. Uh, you are messing with a lot of people's families. Please be fair. He admits to feeling under pressure due to his team's form. And, you know, I mean, Victor's a, you know, he's a big bloke and we've seen him when he's in the mood. I wouldn't necessarily like him bearing down upon me in an enclosed space because the tunnel tunnel isn't big at Leeds, yelling that. But I think um, Angus Kinnear's counter-argument is that he's not calling him a effing this and that. C and C and D and all the other letters of the alphabet. It sounds more like Ian Beale than than Phil Mitchell. And I can imagine, I mean, we've seen the way Neil Warnock talks to referees in in documentaries and we've seen Jose Mourinho sprinting up at the fourth official the other week and getting like an inch from his face. And yeah, I think um, Sassy Angus's view is 
why pick this out? Mm. It's like, yeah, they probably shouldn't have done it and um, they need to be not showing, shoving phones in people's faces and, and not shoving emotions perhaps in referees faces as well yeah and the, the point here is as well they've denied any act of aggression but the very fact that they did it is an act of aggression I think is the point and you don't ever want to side with the FA over over the club because they've always had it in for us haven't they they're against mm. us but even still you think don't do it lads and- no don't do it but then I think yeah the, the counter is make sure everybody else who says anything to a referee gets punished as well which they, of course, will from this point forward. I mean, Lee Johnson at the weekend, I know it, it perhaps wasn't aggressive because he's tiny, but watching him jumping up and down on the touchline, running back and forth, sprinting up to the fourth official, there was no respect. Football scrappy-doo. There might not have been any actual aggression, but there was definitely, you know, there's, there's no hashtag respect here. There's no going over to the referee and saying, excuse me, I, I disagree with, with that decision. Could you possibly review it? There will have been language much worse than what Victor Orta was saying and it will have gone unremarked, unreported but maybe Victor Orta in full flow is a considerably more threatening beast than than Lee Johnson. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Such good news that the promotion is definitely now back on, Michael, isn't it? Aren't you pleased? Excellent news, Because yes. we can go into the planning for the booze baton party. Just ready. We can basically get it booked off now, can't we? Because we know Liverpool are never going to lose again. And we know we're going up, so um, we just get it sorted. On the financial fair play stuff, actually, I did quite like the idea that just ahead of Liverpool winning this momentous title that they would celebrate, someone just goes, actually, you won it last year as well because of what Man City did. So. Yeah, just completely took the wind out of the side. Just like, hey, you've already won it, so here's the trophy. Well done. Well, the booze You've retained bat- it as well, so a nice one. <laughs> the booze baton is uh, the thing that we're doing to track the location of our end-of-season promotion party. If you're not familiar with the rules, it started in Leeds at the start of the season. The first team to beat us was Stoke City, so they took it from us in the League Cup and then it passed from team to team like that. If you want to follow it, Eden J. Harris is the guy that's doing it on Twitter. Liverpool, currently in possession of it. They beat Norwich... So, uh, is it going to Madrid? Are we we in the Champions League midweek, are we, this week? Tonight, yes. So, it could end up in Spain. And I I looked ahead, because we basically want it to end in Bilbao, don't we? Mm. That's now the the new aim of this game. So, if they manage to get it, well, it could could go on either game, really, but... Atletico play Villarreal then Espanyol who was another another Bielsa club um, then only Sevilla. for like a week yeah but you know even so <laughs> it counts for the Argentina job then it? they go Sevilla again then Liverpool then Bilbao so there's there's two chances for this to end up in Bilbao so we'd love let's that just time. let's all just keep our fingers crossed because I think we could re- we could make it a proper party there and I think if, I think so. I think Bilbao fans would come yeah in great numbers I think that they feel very much a club a little bit like us the Bilbao and a strong regional identity and all that they did have a uh a Bilbao Caracho flag during um, uh, what's he called Marcelo Bielsa's um, time we only talk about him you know 20 hours a day time there and only think about him in the other hours so yeah the, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, things we have in common and um, it would probably be it would probably make it for a, a better party if we can go over there if it does end up in Madrid by the way we could go to its number 16 tourist attraction I was looking on TripAdvisor uh, for this yesterday it's called the Palacio de Cristal do you know what that means? can you figure it out? <laughs> I would need uh, Diego Flores to 
mistranslated that for me. It's the Elsa bricks. <laughs> Cheers, Diego. Go all the way to Madrid and you end up at Crystal Palace. Or, if that's not enough to whet your appetite, rank number 72. So I think that's in the top, you know, top regions. Is this top 10%? of things to do in Madrid. There are 956 listed on TripAdvisor. Ranked number 72. Can you guess what it is? The FA Cup final. Primark. Oh, really? <laughs> it's got a massive Primark. El Primark. We love Levi Solicitors for backing us on the podcast. You can support us too by getting in touch with them if you need a solicitor. You'll get 10% off your fees by going through us. I mean, you might be one of those millions of people who's moving house right now in the early part of the year. If you are, give the conveyancing team a shout at Levi's. They are accredited as part of the conveyancing quality scheme, which means that they work to the highest standards. But they also work in jargon-free, plain English. Whether it's new builds like houses, flats, you want to remortgage, help to buy any of it, Levi's have got you boxed off. And they are completely transparent on fees. And you can get an instant quote right now on their website, and if you do go ahead, then there is a further 10% to knock off that price as well. Head to levitesolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Reading, Saturday. Home win. Talk to me. Has to be because, I mean, who the fuck are they? <laughs> they are the least interesting team in the division, I would say. We've thrown a lot of shade at Reading, actually, in, in podcasts past because there is, they've got no redeeming features as a club, have they? And I don't, I don't want to trash them now because it could bite us on the arse, but and they really haven't. We have done some research into them. So I asked this question knowing that there is some Reading knowledge in the room. Who's their manager? Mark Bowen. Oh, so you can actually. Yes. Who appointed Mark Bowen? It was Mark Bowen, more or less. He was the sporting director at the start of the season. And then they sat the manager and he went, oh, I'll I'll do it. No bother. So yes, he's got his first managerial job by um, being a snake from what I can gather. He has has denied this strenuously. (laughs) I mean, saving the the period when they kind of romped this league and they went up to the Premier League for a bit, you always just associate Reading with being sort of just milling around low mid-table and they are their 15th, our natural home. Even that was boring as well. Even when they were in the Premier League, it was like, no one in the Premier League wanted to see him there, did they? I'm I'm sure Reading fans love their club, but don't expect anyone else to care. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the Premier League was necessarily ever enhanced by, oh, Noel Hunt and Jimmy Kevy, as neither were we. And yes, I mean, the thing with Mark Bowen is that I spent all of our preview before the away game earlier in the season confusing me with Paul Bolden and accusing him of missing a penalty for Wales that he, in a game he didn't even play in. And that's very much how I feel about Reading. I don't know. I look at this list of players. I remember Jonathan Swift because it's a literary name, so I know that he's always there. Yayadom, because Heckingbottom wanted to sign him for us. The rest of them, who are these people? <laughs> who are they? Oh, and of course, yeah, they've got that. Um, they've got Pushkas and Pelly, haven't they? Just to try and con people into thinking they've got actual famous footballers. They've got um, playing for them, but they, it's they also a lie. Eight-year-old Charlie Adam, he plays for them because if anyone oh. saw that picture recently of him, him looking about two hundred years old having scored a goal. They are in terrible form as well. 21st in the form table over the last eight games. One win in the last eight and that was Sheffield Wednesday so that doesn't count. <laughs> it's reminding me a bit of the Wigan preview is this except with a bit um, I think we all have a bit more fondness for Wigan for some I mean, reason. All joking apart you look at their lineup, where they are in the table their form us, our form just fucking win. Just yeah just don't mm. piss about with this just get on with it set of wankers according to whoscored.com they play 3-5-2 with Yadom and somebody called Richards as their wing backs that seems like a recipe for disaster where they're concerned what are they good at well their weaknesses they're very weak at defending against long shots that's not really relevant uh, weak at defending against skillful players so uh, Jackie and Helder are going to have a field day um, they're weak at finishing scoring chances well we just won't give them any I mean we are as well on whoscore.com I did check this <laughs> well I'm, I'm not you see I always told you it was accurate their strengths are protecting the lead I assume they must have gone ahead in one game once and won. That was probably after the Sheffield Wednesday game that's come up. Uh, shooting from direct free kicks, creating long shot opportunities and creating chances through individual skill. So I think that their um, their style of play seems to be somebody does a nutmeg on the halfway line and they shoot from 40 yards out. So I think we'll, even Kiko Kassia, um assuming he's not banned, will be fine for this. And Ilian Meslier, if he's playing instead, I mean, don't even put your gloves on. Their style of play includes playing in their own half, which doesn't seem like a style that anyone would recommend. It seems like a thing you're forced to do as opposed to a choice. The other one, opponents play aggressively against them. So it's like they're just a punching bag. They get bullied and yeah. never get out of their own half. Which sounds, sounds perfect. Like, yeah, it's very much like what uh, Bristol came to town with at the weekend. So 
I'm looking forward to another 1-0 that should be a 6-0. Would you take a 1-0 that should be a 6-0? Or do you want to take a 6-0 that should be a 1-0? I want the 6-0. No, I want the 6-0 that should be a 6-0. How much momentum would a big win right now give us, particularly off the back? You, know, you think Brentford draw, then we're ramping up to a really strong win against Bristol. Then if we thumped Reading out of sight, suddenly you're starting to feel that momentum build. Well, we have to look at the other fixtures of uh, the weekend as well. So it would be Friday night, Derby can beat Fulham will beat Fulham and then at lunchtime uh, Brentford are going to lose at home to Blackburn and then we thump Reading 6-0 just in time for the scoreboard to show that Bristol City have ducked the trend of uh, of losing games after playing Leeds by beating West Bromwich Albion at uh, Ashton Gate and I think at that point um, they will call off the rest of the season and just um, promote us. I mean, there is a very real chance if Bristol do pull one out of the bag here against West Brom that we are back within one point of the top. And, and I don't want to... I know we've got to do the cliche thing of saying we take one game at a time, but it's always with a view to promotion, isn't it? Every game now, it's just how does this end? And it only ends well if we win and the others don't. The good thing is Bristol City or West Brom will drop points, one of the two, or I'm, both. I'm at the point now as well where I've, I've lost all... Bielsa's sense of fair play and I, I really I kind of want messy defeats for our opposition as well mm. I want to see red cards and injuries and the sort of thing that can derail a season part of the nice thing of seeing Fulham lose 3-0 at home to Barnsley was that's a that's a horrible defeat That's that, any fans who were on the fence about Parker are surely now saying get him out mm. but it's too late to get him out so they're going to be stuck with it because they're still just in contention yeah. Yeah. and then Derby on a Friday night is kind of the, the perfect follow up I do think Derby will win that I think that's kind of because Derby is shit but it's just that kind of thing and they'll of, be tossing off about Wayne Rooney on Sky and, exactly and it'll just and it's Wayne Rooney versus Scotty Parker isn't it so it'll just be that little it's the kind of game Fulham don't want after uh, after Barnsley I mean um, imagine if we'd lost that game the Barnsley at like 3-0 like Wigan we, we hammered them mostly we weren't great going forward but we had loads of chances and okay it's happened again we've lost at home again yeah. we should have won 1-0 but if we'd have gone out there and lost to bottom of the league Barnsley 3-0 on our own patch and deserved it yeah our fans would be we'd be tearing each other to pieces wouldn't we so let's remember that we you know we don't exist as an island here in this division and that all the other clubs are going through crises as well everyone's terrible that's why it's a good league we do more podcasts and as a thanks to the people who support us, we do the Extra Ball every week where we take a deep dive on a different subject every week. And as Kiko's been doing Kiko things lately, this week we're going to be looking at dodgy keeper moments. So think Sprake and Rohobka, maybe even a punch backwards into his own net from John Lukic, that kind of thing. Painful times, poor lad. Maybe it'll just make us appreciate right now even more. We also answer the questions that get sent through to our WhatsApp number and play our quiz game which started life as The Quiz and then it's become known as Jamie McMastermind and most recently Quizzy Brown and we're inviting suggestions for other uh, brilliant quiz names. And on top of that, we do do another show as well uh, in which we are the world's first triple managerial appointment on Championship Manager 0102 and we're fixing the errors of the Ridsdale era. Should say, we say that, but we have just dropped nearly 20 million quid on a new signing that we probably didn't need. Little bastard. <laughs> Sick of him already. It's bloody cockney as well. And on top of that, you can win the most coveted mug in the podcasting world every single week. You can sign up and enjoy your first month free at the squareball.net forward slash the extra ball. Heroes and villains. Now then, who has made us happy and sad across the last seven days? First up is villains. The Ken Bates Villainy Award. The custom is that Ken Bates gets a nomination. We have to come up with a reason every single week and it's a struggle until we found a councilman called Ken Bates who is a city councillor in Casper, Wyoming, in the United States. And he's, he's been quite a fertile um, fertile ground for us, this one, hasn't it? Not just a councillor, an ungrateful little shit of a councillor. Before we got involved, he had 132 likes on that Facebook page. We've come along, grown his audience to 572. Not grateful at all. He's, he's actually interacted for the first time in a long time with all of the, the constant references to Sean Harvey and Simon's wall chest and I'm overjoyed at Rhodesia the thought. and all the stuff that he's getting thrown <laughs> at him. I'm overjoyed at the thought that somewhere somebody's he's going, what the hell's going on? And he spent half an evening Googling. And, ah, and that's the moment the penny drops. I don't know, but how, what... I'm still not sure that the penny would drop because how do you... I don't know from his point of view how you would square that circle. So it's like, now I know who Sean Harvey is. Suddenly it all makes... No, it still makes no sense. <laughs> it's brilliant. But he's he's come out and said this will be on commenting on one of his posts, which has admittedly got about forty comments from Leeds fans underneath. But this will be for those who live in Casper, Wyoming, USA. Lol, lol. I mean, can you have an elected official putting lol 
No, it's still sit right with me. Amateurish, isn't it? And then, and of course, uh, Nathan Martin uh, has responded to this with "All Casper, Wyoming, USA, aren't we?" <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> uh, he needs to get on board. He needs to stop stop talking about Casper, Wyoming, all the time, and talk to his new constituency to speak to us about issues in Leeds. Should we have a tram? How are we going to solve the, the transport problems? Is the government going to give us the funding for the flood defences that are, are needed in, in Kirkstall and uh, and beyond? What about what about the um, the Northern Rail franchise? Has he got a solution for this? We're going to um, probably have to start a crowdfunder as well for get Bates to Bilbao for the end of season due. We need to fly him out, I reckon. The thing is, as well as the people who kind of perpetuated this, we should technically get in touch with him and, and explain where it's come from and probably say sorry. But a, I'm enjoying the ride and B, I'm a bit scared. <laughs> think he's, what, do you think he's got a gun? Well, probably. Uh, who else are we going to nominate for villainy? It's not really a person, but just Griffin Park. We're not, we don't have to go there again now, do we? But it's not been very good for us over the years. I just I feel like, much as I like it as a ground... It's not been not done us any favours over the years, so I'm I'm glad they're bulldozing it. Their main stand is like in two halves, isn't it? It's got two different roofs. Have you seen it? They've got a flat roof and then a pitched roof. But the away end's a, a thing of beauty there as well because it's like a two tiered terracing thing. It's, a it's bit tiny, like, sort of like a little bit like that Bradford City one that's um, behind the goal there. That's kind of it's very vertical, isn't it? And shallow, yeah. yeah. And Definitely. the new the new ground, I, I saw it. I forget who or someone. That aerial shot. Someone described it as like looking like it's got like under 19s Euro Championships and Eurosport written all over it as the new stadium. Yeah, it's a, it's weird because if you're not familiar with it, the uh, Brentford Community Stadium, it's just down the road from Griffin Park, probably walkable in about 10 minutes or whatever. It just looks odd. It's built in like a triangle of railway lines that pass around it, hence it's slightly odd shape. Like some of the stands are sheared off at the corners and there's one big stand and another weird vertical stand opposite that. It just, it's odd. Better than one of those soulless bowls or you'd prefer that than mm-hmm. sort of Derby or Middlesbrough or something like that but they're going from a 12,300 capacity at Griffin Park to 17,000 but worst bit is they've put in those multicoloured seats that are like speckled effect so it looks like the stadium is full even when the seats are empty visually like on the TV or whatever well they have Premier League aspirations don't they and if 17,000 is as, as much as they can hope for in the Premier League then may, may so be it 1950 the last time we won there by my reckoning so Thank you for finally knocking it down. I kind of hope we don't have to play in the new one for a very long time as well. And uh, who else would you like to nominate for villainy? Lee Johnson. We all know why. Why? Just because. There's no nothing else to say about it. Just because. Everything about him, from talking about players, USPs, to to thinking that getting a penalty would have won, to just to just having that face and that <laughs> attitude. And being quite good at his job as well, because Bristol are always around the playoffs, so he'll never kind of... It's enabling him, isn't it? It's facilitating him being like that. Yeah, it would be easier if you just go down the Gary Monk route and just like bomb out after six months at every, everything he does. It would be interesting to see where he goes after, because he was all right at Barnsley as well, wasn't it? There's that, there's that feeling, you know, he was the... Although Heckingbottom did then go in and finish the job, so it suggests maybe it was... That's where the genius lies. <laughs> Hecky. So I, I'm, I'm anxious for his fall from grace. <laughs> I realise it won't be very, he won't be falling very far, but yeah, just sick of him. What other villains you got? Pat Bamford, still hasn't scored. Not like we're not giving him the chances, is it? Just score one, Pat. And uh, Jean-Kevin Augustine? Still not scored. Still not, hasn't ever scored for Leeds. At least Pat Bamford has scored at least once. Are we Leeds saying will never score? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying has not scored. And um, and that's not good enough, frankly. What's the point in a striker that's never scored for Leeds United? But he's been no better for Leeds United than Gary Lineker, <laughs> who also never scored for Leeds United and therefore is rubbish. Probably played more minutes at Ellen Road as well. Yes, he probably has. Against, uh, he played for Nagoya Grampus 8 as well, didn't he? For uh, in his farewell match. That was an outrageous kit, that kind of Bradford City colours on it. And, I thought you were talking about ours. Because <laughs> we were wearing the blue um, vomit, vomit kit in that game. And as a complete square in the circle, the the memorable photo I, I put for, from that game in my scrapbook was Kevin Sharp tackling Gary Lineker in those two, two kits. His, his blonde bob flying should we nominate um kevin sharp as a, a villain for not putting in a clause in calvin phillips contract saying that he can never sign for manchester united although i suppose maybe you he don't might know what's in it you don't we know don't what's know in what's in it. it that could be in there let's nominate michael brown in that case for having opinions mm. 
Fair enough. I think he should stop having opinions. And that's in general, actually, because I quite like the BBC's Football Daily podcast. That's all right, because if you don't really care what happens in the Premier League, you can stick that one, stick that on and find out about it. But then you hear him chirping away, talking about irrelevant fucking nonsense and reminding you of some of the worst times in your life. So I think it would be easier if Michael Brown just didn't have opinions um, (laughs) and wasn't asked for them and therefore never gave them and just retired from public life. (laughs) That's reasonable. Do a Prince Harry, go live in Canada. I mean, I wouldn't... Kevin Sharp. I wouldn't... uh, Yeah, it's probably... uh, It's not the place for him to go. Move in next door to Kevin Sharp's mum and dad. That'll go down well, won't it? Who or what is your villain then from those? Brown, maybe. Yeah, because Lee Johnson's brought entertainment more than anything, hasn't he, really? I was maybe going to say Griffin Park, because that has been cursing us for 70 years. I guess we didn't win there last year, did we? No, well, like, not won there since 1950. And last year was a... Could have, it could have, we could have gone up if we'd won there last year. And it was the game when... um, Marcelo Bielsa was compelled to come on the pitch and comfort his sobbing players. So it was a. Uh... But it's been the scene of our turnaround this year, though, boys. Was that the. Um, was it also there where Keith Stroud had his game where he was. The accusations? So. Yes. I think it was the same game, wasn't it? So it's a cursed place. Um, it is. Yeah, you've made a good case there. So um, is it Griffin Park? It is Griffin Park. And you made. Yeah, you made. You broke Kiko as well. Yes. I mean, a few things have done that. But. <laughs> Being a footballer, one of them, yeah, but apart from... More recently, it it was Griffin Park. I mean, I know it's been a lot of water under the bridge, but just before we do give it to Griffin Park, are we avoiding Kiko in this bit? Or should we just wait until the verdict is out later this week? Let's just see exactly what the damage is, exactly what we're dealing with. Griffin Park, villain of the week then, right? um, The Andy Hughes Hero Award then. Boys, uh, who's brought a smile to your face this last week? Luke Ayling, obviously, he's had a good week. Hard kicking. And also for trying to listen in on their team talk as well. When there was that injury in the first half... Ailing just went over and started to have his drink. Pretended he was tying his laces. Just, yeah. went over, just wandered over. Oh, just tying my laces, just having a little drink here. What are you, oh, you're doing a team talk, Ivan. Because when he was bending over, obviously Lee Johnson's not going to see over a crowd of players, is he? Um, <laughs> to see him bend down there. But he did actually, he sussed him out and he pushed him, didn't he? But it was all playful. I mean, potentially, did he think they were Bristol team were all bullying a child and he'd gone over to intervene? You know, like these sick videos you see posted online of, of and maybe he was just doing the right thing. He was like, oh, hang on, they're all having, they're all having a pop at this this mascot let's go over and, and make sure he's okay he's just being a good a good parent Luke Ayling that's all he was all he was guilty of good community act good lad good lad Luke well done good week for you uh, who else Leeds United fans kept it together at the weekend thought it was alright There's the, nobody got upset nobody got too anxious about the about us not getting a second goal we gave uh, some big supportive cheers to the alleged racist um, before the game to to cheer him up and um, and also to Pat Bamford the uh, alleged striker and it was yeah it was everything just felt nice I think everybody's calmed down maybe the stuff after the Wigan and Forest and stuff we just had to get some of it out of our system and even though it was all there for uh, for the tension to develop on on Saturday because we've seen that kind of game over and over again but I just never got the vibe that people were as nervous as they have been even when Kiko did kick it straight to their player at the end nobody lost it with anybody else and I, I think it was good who else do you want to nominate I mean Kiko himself didn't didn't do anything I mean didn't have anything to do admittedly but didn't do anything catastrophic catastrophic I, to be honest mate given the timing of this podcast and this week it doesn't necessarily feel like this okay. is a good time <laughs> to nominate Kiko Casilla as a hero Okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Should we? We don't want it to be like Man City winning the league, has to have a little asterisk next to it. <laughs> Brackets, not actually a hero. Yes, we will see what happens with that one before we perhaps shower him with too much praise. Any others then, heroes? Somebody who's brought a smile to your face? Just Leeds United, really. It's been a. We've healed. Yeah. We've healed this week. Told you we were good. We are good, and let's hope it, we get the happy ending that we damn well deserve. So is that it then, all the candidates? Who's your hero? It's got to be Luke Ayling, hasn't it? Has it? Specifically, yeah. yeah. Oh, also, um, a little honorary mention in a similar thing for, for Calvin Phillips for just looking so happy oh, to course, be back. Yeah. For, for playing so well, but also just he was the uh, the post-match interview beacon of hope that um, Luke Ayling had not been um, after the Nottingham Forest match and it was it was good to see him. Good, good. Well, that wraps up this one then. Look out for the Phil Hayes Show this week as well with Mags and Mugs merchandise on the website. The Extra Ball is on there and half-season subscriptions if you want to get all the remaining issues of the Square Ball 
on your doormat. Find them at thesquareball.net. Onward to Reading then. We'll speak to you on the match ball after that game. We'll see you in a bit. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.